Hello and welcome to Giant Mess. A sad, fat, balding, overweight, lazy, depressed, anxious sports and entertainment talk show <laughs> that covers Giants football, Mets baseball, movies, TV shows, and it's got some funny stories and life lessons mixed in for good measure. It's hosted by Giant Mess. That's me, the real Cinch Neil Lynch. I'm a former college quarterback and pitcher. I say that as if I started. I was like seventh on the depth chart on my college football team. Saw maybe two drives of action, never threw a pass. And I was a middle relief pitcher on the baseball team. Uh, but now I'm just like, uh, now I'm just, you know, wandering, meandering around the world. Uh, a friggin' nomad. Lost, listless, purposeless, uh, completely flabbergasted and amazed at how much a single team or two teams can have such an impact on my mental health that it truly cannot just ruin my day, but it can ruin my week, my month, my year, my marriage, my relationships, my work life. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> can you guess what's on today's episode? I think you can. We're going to talk about the New York Football Giants. Their season opener at home at the beautiful MetLife Stadium in beautiful East Rutherford, New Jersey. How did it go? Well, they lost. Oh, that's unfortunate. 0-1 to start the season. Oh, man. Uh, but it wasn't just any loss. One of the worst losses ever. And it's not, that's, I don't, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I, I know fans tend to exaggerate. I know fans tend to overreact in these kind of situations. I think everything I'm about to say is completely 1,000% justified. So, without further ado, let's get it started. I did not watch all 60 minutes of game time for this contest. <laughs> I had my daughter this weekend. I have 50-50 custody. I'm divorced. Life is great. Trying to put her down is like trying to wrestle a Bengal tiger to the ground into submission. Like have the Bengal tiger actually tap out with its little paw. That's what it's like. Uh, putting my daughter down to bed. She's She just turned five. I moved mountains for her this weekend. I did everything that I could to be a good dad, and I'm still not a good dad. So trying to put her to bed, and uh, there's thunder. Thunder. Uh, thunder. Uh, honestly, the thunder got me very excited for the Giants' home opener season opener against the, those hated Dallas Cowboys, those uh, detested division rivals. The Thunder got me excited, got me pumped. It scared the bejesus out of my daughter. So she was full on meltdown mode, refused to, wanted to sleep in my bed, refused to take no for an answer. Uh, and just, I basically just let her cry it out. I'm like, I know that uh, 21st century parents New age parents, progressive parents would try to navigate her through those murky what nope. I just I was like, I'm just gonna let I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you tire you out is my strategy. Cause of everything that I've done for you this weekend, 
I, I think I'm just going to let the, I'm going to ride, I'm going to ride the wave on this one. <laughs> I'm just going to ride it out. So, uh, eventually, you know, I, I basically said thunder, I, you're scared of the thunder. I get it. Has thunder ever hurt you personally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually? No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Uh, thunder can't hurt you. You're inside. And I know this luxury apartment is falling apart. But the thunder, as much as I want it to, the thunder can't get inside and hurt us. <laughs> I don't want the thunder to hurt us. Come on now. It's just a sound. It's noise. That's all it is. Much like all the preseason hype for the Giants. It's just noise. It's just a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. So the, the thunder can't hurt you. The thunder's just noise or sound. You are inside. You are safe. I promise it won't hurt you. I promise it won't hurt you. And it comes and it goes. It's not going to be here forever. This is a temporary situation. As much as my parents told me this is temporary, it feels pretty permanent, but it's temporary. It's temporary. So it took me a while to get her down. It took me past kickoff to get her down, which I fully expected. And so I prepared because that's what a good dad, a good football fan does. Prepare, right? Think ahead. Strategize. So I went on Hulu, which is the worst. Hulu and live, Hulu plus live sports. Hulu plus live sports. Hulu plus live sports. Nah. Fuck you, Hulu. Uh, tried to record it. And in my haste, I think I recorded the Telemundo broadcast. Telemundo. Spanish language only broadcast. So I got her down. I actually managed to get her down. And I said to her, you come into my room. I'm escorting you. I'm turning you around 180 and I'm escorting you back to your bed. You are not sleeping in my bed tonight. You've already slept in my bed this week. That's it for you. That's it. End of story. So you can come in here all, all you want, all the live long day, all night long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your hand and I'm going to gently place you back into your own bed. So, uh, yeah. Got her down. Eventually, she she did tucker herself out. No more tears. No more screams. She was running around empty, and and uh, lo and behold, she actually stayed in her bed the whole night. Slept the whole night. And I was late to the game, and uh, so I decided I'll I'll put on, I'll try and re rewind live TV and realize oh Hulu doesn't allow that. YouTube TV allowed that, and I would have YouTube TV if they didn't hadn't dropped SNY. Love streamers. Love them. Time to go back to cable, possibly. So I finally get to the recording. I find the recording and I press play and it says error. And it gives me all kinds of bullshit error code, this and that. And I'm just like, <laughs> of course, of course, Hulu, of course you would do that to me. And uh, then I saw I was recording the Telemundo one, and I could rec I could rewind the Telemundo broadcast, and I was like, I guess I could. I took eight years of Spanish. I should be able to understand this shit, right? No. No bueno. So I had to watch. I guess it was the Giants' first drive. I don't know. who. I guess the Cowboys kicked off the Giants. There was probably a little less than 12 minutes remaining. Maybe it was 11 or 10 minutes remaining in the first quarter. Giants had the ball, and apparently the Giants were driving. 
I, I just saw DJ take off and pick up a first down, I believe. I saw Saquon run for positive yardage, and I was like, all right, we're on the move. And we drove down to the eight, and I was like, this is what we're talking about. And Chris Collins was saying, you know, the Cowboys run defense, not as not as highly touted as their pass defense or the pass rush. That's their one weakness on defense. And that's one thing that the Giants did well last year. And they have an improved offensive line. And they're going to be able to run the ball on the Cowboys all the live long day. And, and, and life was good. And my season prediction of 10 and 7 borderline 11-6. I think I eventually went to 11-6. and six. I originally started 10-7 when the schedule was released, and then I, I said, nay, 11-6 and six after all this training camp bullshit. By the way, training camps mean nothing. Futile. Stupid. <laughs> I don't know why we have training camps or why we have preseason. Useless. Benefits no one, especially the fans or the media. So drive down to the eight, and I'm like, Man, this is, I can't, I, like, I had a feeling, we, like, everyone's talking about how the Giants are going to steal one. We're going to steal one from the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a more talented roster, yes, but we have the better coaches. We have an improved roster. And without our star players last year, in both games, this one had the flu, this one was out. We fought them tooth and nail, and we came close. We gave them a ride, a ride for their money. We gave them all that we got. We came within a score. We made it a competitive Play here, play there. Maybe we win. So I thought, we can steal one at home. I had this chalked up as a W from the get. A W. At home, a W. Maybe we'll lose to them on the road in Dallas. But on at home, opener, coming off a playoff year, upgraded roster, quote unquote. We're going to steal one. And then Andrew Thomas has a false start, which never happens. Literally never happened last year. The broadcast team pointed that out. Zero false starts in 2022. Okay, shoot yourself in the foot. It was third and two. Now it's third and seven. Shotgun formation and our rookie center, John Michael Schmitz, who's going to anchor our offensive line for the next five to ten years. Future pro bowler, all pro Hall of Famer. Uh, just uh, like gets zero air on his snap. Just like rolls it back so he tosses the snap away dj has to chase it down and cover it it's a 19 14 yard loss then we bring in mr automatic graham gano just came off a three years signing a three-year contract extension what could go wrong i'm gonna say this and no one's gonna believe me i knew for a fact and I probably should have put a bet on it, a massive bet on it. There's no shot that this guy's going to make this kick. <laughs> 46 yards, 47 yards, whatever. Last year, he makes it no, no questions asked. No doubt in my mind. But after seeing Andrew Thomas' false start, which he never does, after seeing John Michael Schmitz toss a snap away, which almost like I don't think it ever happened last year with Feliciano, God bless, I said, there's not any positive juju on this field right now. We have zero positive mojo going on on this field. It would be a modern miracle if he hits this fucking kick. <laughs> I mean, three-year contract extension, so you know that, that he's going to bungle that. False start, fumbled snap. We just completely backtracked. All the momentum is now on Dallas's side. Did I think we'd get a block kick for a touchdown? 
No, but I was not shocked. I was like, yep, this is, this is, yeah. I fully expected something along those lines, a doink, a double doink, wide right, wide left, a block, block for a kick for a touchdown. Eh, wasn't seeing that, but you know, yeah, sure. Why not? And uh, as everyone and their mother has said, it snowballed from there. An avalanche got skunked. That's the, the, the verbiage, the words of the, of the week. Skunked, snowfall, snowball, avalanche. Uh, what was it? Uh, so they, the Cowboys mixed the extra point. Okay, like it's going to matter. And then, uh, you know, DJ throws a Saquon and he gets popped. Ball goes up in the air and of course it goes straight into the Cowboys hands and he returns it for a pick six. And then, uh, I don't know, or, or there was a field goal in there somewhere. I don't know. I guess the defense made a stand and there was a Cal- Dallas field goal. Who gives a shit? And it was 19 nothing. CD Lamb gets a huge reception down uh, the left sideline on a, a bunch. Like, uh, what I don't understand about that play is like bunch formation. And this is probably a result of Adoree Jackson making his first ever starts start as a slot corner and just not realizing like what's about to go down. <laughs> but bunch formation, CD Lamb is the most inside dude. You don't think that they're going to take those two outside guys and block down so that he can wheel route wide open? Like, no one saw that coming? No one saw that coming. So, uh, hold them to the field goal or whatever. So then what was it, 6 nothing? I don't even know how they scored. Uh, I guess there was like two more touchdowns in there. I don't know. So it's 19 nothing. second quarter. Jones, uh, as he was all night long, was pressured. Scrambles to his right, rolls out. He's got Micah Parsons hounding him down. And he's about to go out of bounds. And he decides to throw across his body back towards the field. And he throws a pick. Click. That's when I turned it off. And I think my... You know, one of the tweets, the blocked field goal for a touchdown, I was like, you had to know that was going to happen. You know that was going to happen. And then uh, when DJ threw, and I said, uh, when DJ threw the pick, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get a good night's rest. Bet get him next year, question mark. I mean, like, I've seen too much Giants football. I'm 40 fucking two, about to be 43 in like um, two months, two months. I've seen, what, 16 times close to damn 500 Giants games? Did I do the math right in that? 16 times 30, 480. No, there's more than that. 14 minus 36 times 16. Carry the one. Yeah, probably like 500 Giants games in my lifetime. I think there's been two games that I can remember where we were down big at half and we came back and either won or made it competitive. One was the 86 Monday night game against the 49ers. We were down 21, nothing. I was six years old and I uh, cried myself to sleep because my dad was like, nah, it's over, man. This game's over. You got to go to bed. You got to, you're six. What are you doing? And then I woke up the next day to find out they won. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, this is my team, team of destiny. Of course we went on, went on to win a Super Bowl, and that's what hooked me. For the rest of my life. Can you believe that? If they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, what? how my life would be different? Anyway, next one was 90, 92. I think Phil was starting because Hostel was hurt. 
So, and we got down so much, I think at half that the, that the, the station put on other programming. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was like, uh, I think we were down maybe 28, nothing, something like that at the half, maybe more. And, uh, so the, the station was like, yeah, we, we're going to go, we're not even going to go to another game. We're just going to go to like a rerun of like, who's the boss. <laughs> And then we came back and almost won the game. I think we lost by one or two. So uh, I've seen enough to know that I've seen enough, right? Nothing was going right for this team. It'd be one thing if it's like we had, we had, we kept driving the ball and we just turn over on downs and, you know, uh, like the offense is clicking, but we're, we're just making mistakes and shooting ourselves in the foot. That's one thing. Like after that first drive, which I didn't even get to watch the good parts of the first drive. <laughs> I watched the tail end of the drive. So I didn't see any good Giants football. And so I knew right then, 19 nothing. Jones just threw a pick in Giants territory. Click. And I said, good night, everyone. Sleep tight. Don't let those fucking bed bugs bite, man. And I said, we'll, we'll get him next year. And I said, get him next year. And it was heat of the moment, knee jerk reaction, because we're going to get into it. Never say never. I get it. And there's always a first time. There's always an exception to the rule. All signs are pointing to this team. Forget about winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl or even a deep playoff run. They're not even going to come sniff the playoffs <laughs> this year. <laughs> I woke up this morning. I got on the train. I opened the Giants app and I see 40 to nothing. Now I thought... What's going to happen is the Cowboys will get up big and then uh, the Giants will be playing against second and third stringers and maybe we'll score like a couple touchdowns, maybe a touchdown and a field goal. If you feel like, you know, at least put some points on the board. 40 to nothing. Uh, so now we've lost five in a row to the, the Cowboys and 12 of our last 13 against them. Deck Prescott and uh, does I know on the Wikipedia page it says that John Mara is our owner, but I think Deck Prescott has a majority share. I think because we cannot beat that guy. We fell to fifty-one forty-three and five on opening day, fifty-one forty-five and three in home openers. Um, burn down MetLife, please burn it down to the ground and piss on the ashes because we're four and ten in home openers in MetLife. That stadium blows. I legitimately loathe that that stadium. Uh, we've never seen it. We've seen one playoff win there, right against the Falcons. We've not. Uh, other than that, I don't think we've ever hosted a playoff, another playoff game there. Yeah, let's just let's just hit the reset button on the stadium. That's the problem. It's the stadium. We're now one in ten against Dallas in season openers. Again, we we lost to the. Cowboys in 86 in the season opener, but it was what 34 28? A little bit closer. We're 0 3 at home and 0 2 in MetLife. Please, God, no more season openers against the Cowboys. Please. We're 23 32 and 1 on Sunday night, which we all know that. We suck on primetime. We just stink. 11 and 14 at home, 6 and 9 versus Dallas in prime time. So everything was working against us in the first place, but you just felt like it was just different this year. After what happened last year, we have the coach of the year. What could go wrong? Um and this was our worst loss since 1973. So, 
you know, when we're calling timeouts because there's 10 in the first quarter, when we go through burn through two timeouts in the first quarter, one on offense, one on defense because of personnel issues, that's rough. That doesn't give you a whole ton and a lot of confidence. Saw this tweet from The Athletic. No team has ever lost 40 to nothing or worse. Lost the sack battle 7 to 0 or worse. Lost the turnover battle 3 to 0 or worse. Had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and threw a pick six in the same season. 16 game, 17 game, 14 game season, however far back you want to go. All those things have never happened to a team in one season. That happened to the Giants all in one game. Now, for everyone like me who thinks the season is over, there's some positive. Hey, I'm not 100% out on the season. Come on now. Like 99% out on the season. There's 1% of me that's like, stranger things have happened. And why not us? That kind of thing. Sure. There's 1% of me. There's a little tiny sliver that thinks that maybe I'm not going to rule it out. That would be foolish to rule it out. A lot of people saying it's just one game. It's just week one. Week ones are crazy. They're silly. They're wacky. They're pointing to the Bengals and Joe Burrow losing to the Browns. Burrow had something like less than 100 yards passing. Pulled from the game. They got demolished 24 to 3, something like that. The Bengals went to the AFC Championship last year. Typically beat the Chiefs, who are usually the best team in the AFC, if not the NFL, every year. The Chiefs lost to the Lions week one. Bad things happen. Not as bad as this. This was really bad. So bad. <laughs> so historically bad. You know, there was a tweet from, I don't know, uh, Ryan Dizier maybe, saying the Super Bowl champion Chiefs lost to the Colts last year, one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, it's close though. They didn't get blown out. And I know, uh, you know, I think a lot of people point to the, the Vikings-Colts game last year where the Vikings went down 20-some-odd points, 30-some-odd points in the first half, came back and won. I was in a dome. It was the Colts. <laughs> it wasn't in a fucking monsoon against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, in the league. 2007 Giants. Well, we lost. I was at this game against the Packers. We lost 35-13 to Brett Favre in week two. And I thought, I have to go. I have have my grandfather, God bless his soul, gifted me season tickets for this year. I don't know if I want to go. (laughs) This is what the product is going to be. So uh, for anyone saying 2007, you're not a Giants fan or you got to get your head out of your ass. This is far from 2007. Not even close, dude. As someone who got to witness it firsthand in person, no. No. This season is way, way, way more like 2017. Way more like 2017. And uh, and a lot like 1995, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, as I'm watching, I, I'm thinking, oh, this is a house of cards. The Giants are a house of cards. Darren Waller comes into the game with some kind of hamstring issue. That's not going away. That's going to bother him the rest of the season. And he's not going to be 100%. And he's not going to be the guy that we saw in the preseason game on that one drive against the Panthers. That one drive against the Panthers. Oh, my God. 
what that did for this fan base and how it was such a mirage, such a friggin' illusion. Yeesh. <sighs> Graham Gano is signing a three con- three year contract extension. He might miss some time. Andrew Thomas with a hamstring injury. Now he's gonna he he's not gonna be a hundred percent. He's probably gonna miss some time. Not a lot to look forward to. Not a lot to be positive about. Our special teams sucks donkey dick. <laughs> it is awful, and the fact that the special teams coach. Still has a job is kind of ridiculous. Whatever. The offense is not going to get any better. You know, there are people saying we'll sign Justin Pugh and Jason or Andrew Peters, who is like 55 years old. Old as me. Might as well put me at right tackle. I'll, I'll give it my all. I will get injured first play, no doubt. We, we don't have an offensive, like, we literally don't have an offensive line. Andrew Thomas is hurt, and uh, I don't see him getting, bouncing back and being any good this year. Uh, ben Burson stinks. John Michael Schmitz maybe is, like, the one guy that is could be all right. Mark Lewinsky stinks. Evan Neal stinks. So you're looking at, you, really, you need to replace three or four guys <laughs> on your starting offensive line. <laughs> Like, we'll bring in Justin Pugh. Uh, okay. I guess. It's 2017. It's 2017. We're just, uh, you know, we're, we were a house of cards, and we've toppled already, for sure. The 171 total yards on offense was our lowest total since we gained 155 yards at Chicago on January 2nd, 2022, when the season was completely over and we had i think we had salary cap burglar mike glennon taking snaps oh man what a time to be alive that was that was uh the new we rang in the new year with a fucking bang uh 63 net passing yards against the cowboys was the lowest figure we we've had since we finished with minus six and that lost the bears two seasons ago minus six net passing yards <laughs> our offensive line allowed seven sex tw- seven sex Mm, I wish. Seven sacks. I mean, basically, DJ did get humped all night. Seven sacks and 12 QB hits, uh, 20 pressures, 23 hurries. DJ was pressured on 66.7% of his dropbacks, which was the most in the NFL, 13, almost 14% more than any other quarterback. That's uh, for all you math wizards. For every three times he went back to pass, two times he was getting hit, pressured, hurried, etc. So... I don't know how you're supposed to win games like that when you have less than two seconds to throw a ball. I guess you could do like a lot of bubble screens, flash screens, slants, things of that nature. Uh, Evan Neal was ranked 59th among 60 qualifying tackles and pass block win rate in week one. Uh, he's officially done, though. I don't, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that you can honestly believe in this dude. Again, a lot of people think in year two, he's going to make the same step up forward, improve like Andrew Thomas did in 2021. Uh, he, he He's not. So I don't know what the, and, and this kind of dovetails into the next subject that we'll get into that is also very alarming, but you just got to say, hey, you know, we tried, but we whiffed. We thought we had the guy and we don't. So we have to go back to the drawing board. We have to find your replacement. Uh, thank you for coming. We appreciate your effort, but you are not the guy. Uh, 
And maybe you move him into right guard. And maybe he becomes, you know, everyone's saying he's Eric Flowers 2.0 now. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. He's a bust. He's a top 10 pick on offensive lineman that couldn't last. I mean, he's no shot. He lasts two seasons at the right tackle position. Uh, everyone was lauding him and praising him for looking good in training camp against the likes of Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. We'll get to them in a little bit. <laughs> Andrew Thomas, a hamstring injury that's going to plague him for the rest of the year. Uh, I guarantee he misses time. He has also stated repeatedly that his ankle is never going to be 100%. It's never going to heal. So, And we just gave him a contract extension, money well spent. Matt Parrott, his backup, gets a, an elbow injury with Josh Azudu playing right tackle. Glowinski can't, I, you can't play Glowinski anymore. You can't play Bredesen anymore, but you need to play someone. So I guess Justin Pugh, 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 Pugh. Maybe he plays right, left guard. Evan Neal, right guard. And then who do you have at right tackle? Who do you have at left tackle? <laughs> it's just like, we don't, we don't have anyone. And like to think that we're going to magically find these guys on the street or trade for someone without giving up the fucking farm is, I mean, everyone's like, you know, <sighs> hyping up and giving Joe Shane his flowers. I, yes, you have to start to question Joe Shane and his talent evaluation. You have to, after what's happening, after what's going on. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. You have to reset your expectations. It was 10 and 7. It was looking so good in training camp and preseason that I upped it to 11 and 6. And now you got to reset your expectations. And I feel like if you reset your expectations as a Giants fan, then you'll you'll be better you'll be better off mentally, <laughs> sanity-wise. Just say, uh, well, hopefully we can get an upset here or there. Like even the 98 Giants upset the Broncos, right? Yeah, that's something. <laughs> Uh, so that's the offense. It's like we can have Paris Campbell. We can have Darren Waller. Darren Waller is not going to be effective this year. I mean, the fact that he's already got a hamstring injury is like, <laughs> that's that's it. Pretty much it for him. He's not going to have the kind of numbers that we would uh, he would if he were healthy. That's just a fact. Maybe Saquon can rush for 1,000 yards. That's something to look forward to. I don't know that DJ is going to be able to throw for 3,000 yards, so he's not going to get that those incentives in his contract. That kind of sucks. But you can have Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller, all these targets, weapons, but it's just like we were so focused on getting DJ his weapons and his targets that yet again, we pretty much ignored the offensive line. Yes, we drafted John Michael Schmitz, and yes, maybe he's going to be a good guy, a good player, maybe even a great player. You still have three guys on that line at the least who suck, who are so bad at their job. And they weren't great last year. And they did and this management administration, whatever, front office is crossing their fingers just like the last administration, last front office did, and said, Well, we're hoping they get better. We hope we're hoping they take the next step. Hope doesn't float, my man. You can't cross your fingers in this fucking league. So it's it's bonkers that we thought, oh, we'll just get them weapons. And that'll be that asinine dude and that's why you have to start to question joe shane and his talent evaluation his scouts team uh even, even the coaching staff who's to say that brian dable is not ben mcadoo 2.0 i honestly think this the, the, we're gonna see a season that is on par with 2017 which was one of the worst seasons in giants history and the special teams is gonna blow we know that the offense is gonna 
be horrendous. Like one of the possibly among the league's worst in the NFL. That's for damn sure. So the the bright spot is the defense. I do think the defense could be decent, average, maybe even keep us in some games. They they'll probably be the lone bright spot on this team. I think your two rookie corner corners look pretty decent, minus the fucking stupid penalties. So I think that's something that like be proud of and and hopefully that develops and keeps going but we came into the season thinking that we had one of the best defensive lines in the league we do not have one of the best defensive lines in the league i can i can fully 100 confidently say that we do not have that maybe it, dexter lawrence is like is it we have dexter lawrence that's it until aziz ojalari and Kayvon thibodeau can show me differently I've I've already written off Leonard Williams. Like this is the I think this is the last year of his contract. We're uh, why would you resign him? We're not going to resign him, so he's he's gone. Adore Jackson's probably gone after this year. Uh, I don't like. So you're now looking at, and this is going back to Joe Shane. You're you you're fifth and your seventh pick from 2022, where Kevin Thibodeau, Evan Neal, and people were like jizzing themselves. Oh my God, we got a starting right tackle. We got a starting pass rusher. We nailed it. Evan Neal is a bust and uh, as a right tackle. Now, if they move in the right guard and he plays well, okay, well then I guess it panned out okay. Like not necessarily a big win, but it's a win. Got to celebrate the wins, no matter how small. And then Kayvon Thibodeau, it's like, dude, show me something. So far, all I've seen from Kayvon, uh, there have been... I want to say there's like three games from his rookie year that stood out. It was the Washington game, the second Washington game. Uh, I guess the Ravens game where he had the game-clinching sack and uh, against the Colts who literally were tanking. So the Ravens game and the Commanders game is really what I'm looking at here. You need top 10 picks to play like top 10 picks against top 10 teams. That's the whole point of drafting them that high. The, the expectations are to the roof. You need them to step up and play better, and they're not. So uh, we don't have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, especially against a banged-up D- Dallas offensive line that was missing their left guard, and their uh, everyone was like uh, sounding the feasting horn after they learned that Tyron Smith, the, the, the left tackle, was playing through an ankle injury. You know, it's kind of weird that we play against injured offensive linemen and can't do anything against them. Lane Johnson was missing a groin. And we could not get any pressure against him. Tyron Smith has an ankle injury. It's like, doesn't matter. We couldn't manage a sack. Mustered three quarterback hits. Dexter Lawrence had two of those quarterback hits and two pressures. Kayvon Thibodeau, zero pressures. Leonard Williams, zero pressures. Aziz Ojolari, zero pressures. I mean, you know, the game is one of the trenches. The Giants are not going to, like, you think about the Giants' woes and their struggles over the past, it's now 12 years? 11 or 12 years, maybe more. Our offensive line blows. Our offensive line has never been average or better than average. Average, At least average. Has never been average or, or at least average. Ever in those 12 years. Even when we went to the Super Bowl and won in 20, 2011, did we just have amnesia about that offensive line? It was like a fucking Swiss cheese. Eli Manning got cru- he dropped back 50, 60 times in the NFC Championship game and almost lost his head every single goddamn pass attempt. Eli Manning is the reason we won t- in 2011. Eli Manning. That's it. 2008 was literally 
the last time we had a good offensive line. And we went 12-4, and four, we had home field advantage, and we shit the bed against the Eagles in the divisional round. So uh, that's that. Cowboys and Eagles have two of the best offensive lines, and I'm going to say two of the best defensive lines in the league. They're going to win games. They're going to go to the playoffs. One of them is going to go to the Super Bowl. So for all the fucking Eagles j- fans jerking off in my comments section of the, of my one YouTube video where I thought like where I admitted that the Eagles are better but that they're going to I predict downfall due to the salary cap don't slip in your own cum <laughs> because I'm admitting full on now that the that the the Giants are not like they're not the team that I thought they were going to be and like uh, we're going to stink and it's going to end uh, I oof. There's a lot of roster spots that are just hum like there were question marks coming in, and they're even bigger question marks now. Where the, the it's like there are a lot of gaps, a lot of holes to fill. Giggity, that's where we're at right now. Again, one percent of me thinks that uh, maybe we do turn around, and maybe we're the first team ever to bounce back from a forty nothing shellacking at home to make the playoffs. I don't think that's ever happened. It's got to happen once, right? Uh. So the bright spots on defense. <laughs> Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins. Banks was targeted twice, didn't allow a catch. Hawkins allowed one catch on one target. Again, I think each of them had a, had a bad penalty, but otherwise I think that's a, you get a, a thumbs up from me, dog. It was the most one-sided opening day loss in our history, overtaking another home loss to the Cowboys on September 4th, 1985. We, uh, we lost on 35 nothing. I was at that game. Uh, it was when Phil Sims got his number retired. Uh, and that was demoralizing. I think m- this one was way more demoralizing because I think 94, it was like um, we got off to a really bad start. Uh, it was the first season without Phil Sims as a quarterback. Dave Brown was our starter. We got off to like a three and seven start, something like that. We won six in a row to finish the season. Uh, so I, it was like, well, you know, there was some hopes. I don't know how high the hopes were, but it was like, we almost made the playoffs nine, seven. I think we can take the next step and we can at least match that or do better and make the playoffs. And then we got, uh, we just got shit pumped 35, nothing. Um, and, uh, I think the Cowboys went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Pretty sure. It's the Steelers, right? Emmett Smith, like giving the peace sign or waving goodbye as he's running down the field for a touchdown. And I had a bird's eye view of this shit. Like, I literally, it was one of the end zones. I don't know if it was the south or the north, the west, the east end zone, whatever. But it was like, he's just running towards me and waving goodbye to everyone. I was just like, wow. And that 95 season, lest you forget, was uh, the snowball game. Where it was like the one of the last games in December against the Chargers, and we were getting smoked against the the Chargers. We had season tickets that year. Uh, we had season tickets. I was a sophomore in high school. We had season tickets, and I and I, I, you know, it was the snowball game. I was there for the snowball game. It was just it was one of the worst seasons, and I got to see it live and in living color, brother. <laughs> this is this season. Mark my words. On par with 95 in 2017. On par for sure. The 40-point defeat was the Giants' largest in the regular season since November 4th, 1973. We lost to the Raiders in Oakland, 42-0. We had also lost the divisional playoff game in 93. 
in the 93 season, technically January 94 against the 49ers, 44 to three. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say I was 13 years old, just turned 13 and I cried because I knew it was the end of an era. It was the last time we were going to see Lawrence Taylor. It was the last time we were going to see Phil Sims. And uh, to get to get just lambasted in their finale was just that was hard to stomach. That was hard to take. Uh, the Cowboys' forty points were the most allowed by the Giants in their season opener since a forty-two forty win at Green Bay in September 19, 1971. The twenty-six nothing halftime deficit was the largest in a regular season game since January third, twenty ten, when we trailed Minnesota at the half, thirty-one nothing. Again, that was the end of the 2009 season when uh, we had pretty much, I think at that point we had, we knew we were eliminated from the playoffs and it was just like, wow, how did we get off to a 5-0 and start and end 8-8? Eight and eight? How? <sighs> so yeah, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, last time Giants opponents scored two non-offensive touchdowns to start a season was 1944. <laughs> uh in 2022, week one, the Bears beat the 49ers. The Steelers beat the Bengals. The Bucks dominated the Cowboys 19-3. Burrow didn't manage 100 passing yards. The Rams beat the Seahawks handedly. So, uh, you know, week one, blah, blah, blah. This is like, this is beyond that. Beyond everyone trying to, uh, I don't know if uh, assuage our fears or like, or soothe us and say, see, it's not so bad. No, it's bad. <laughs> I've been around long enough to know this is fucking bad. So where does this loss rank? Where does the 40 to nothing Giants loss to the Dallas Cowboys in a 2023 season opener at home, where does it rank in the lore of Giants franchise history in terms of the worst blowout losses in Giants history? Now, why are you doing this, Neil? Why are you putting it, putting us through this? Why torture us? Because why not? <laughs> I just like, I like pleasure spiked with pain. Music is my aeroplane. I'm a, I guess I'm a sadomasochist, sadist. I don't know. Why, why not twist the knife? Huh? Worst blowout losses in Giants franchise history. Where does this rank? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. It's the eighth worst blowout loss in Giants franchise history. Uh, coming in at number 10. Well, I remember this game. I had a couple friends that actually went to this game and had to ride the, the plane back completely shmammered, <coughs> wearing beads. This was the Joe Horn cell phone game, I believe, where Joe Horn scored a touchdown and took out a, took out a literally took out an actual cell phone and pretended to make a call on the field after scoring a touchdown. That was nice. That was a nice little uh, cherry on top. We lost 45 to 7 and our uh, our final record was 4 and 12 that year and that was the year that Fossil was fired. Number 9 was 2013. We lost 38 to nothing to the Carolina Panthers. We started 0 and 6 that year and somehow finished 7 and 9. I think partially due to a really easy I mean like everyone all of the starting quarterbacks of the opponents we faced in the second half of the season in the final uh 9 games or whatever. 10 games were injured. So we were facing backups and third stringers. Like uh, it was insane. We, fa we faced Scott Tolkien, like a dentist, DDS. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was, I thought that I, at the time I was like, wow, I have never seen a team play this poorly, this badly, especially coming off a playoff year 
what should have been a playoff year, 2012. Like we missed the playoffs, but goddamn, we should have made the playoffs in 2012. Still bothers me that we missed the playoffs. Thank you, Detroit or Chicago. One of those two really bungled it for us. I think it was Detroit. Uh, 1966, which is definitely one of the worst seasons in Giants history. We lost to the Los Angeles Rams 55-14. We finished 1-12-1. Hopefully you see a trend here with these final records. 1973, which we mentioned, the 42-0 loss to the Oakland Raiders. We finished 2-11-1. 1948, 45-0 loss to the Eagles of Philadelphia. At Philly, we finished 4-8. Did not make the playoffs. 1966, yet again. Dallas Cowboys, 52-7, finished, uh, as we mentioned, 1-12-1. 1953, at the Cleveland Browns, we lost 62-14. We finished 3-9. And then in 1943, we lost to the Chicago Bears at home. This is officially the worst home loss, blowout home loss in franchise history. 56-7, we lost. We went 6-3-1, missed the playoffs. And then the worst blowout loss in franchise history was at Pittsburgh against the Steelers, 63-7. to We finished 7-5 and that year, missed the playoffs. So uh, I guess you can maybe sense where I'm coming with this. We ain't making the playoffs <laughs> in 2023. Uh, some of the more modern blowouts, 2009 at Minnesota, we lost 44-7. Started 5-0 and that year, finished 8-8. Eight and eight. 2009, very bitter, especially coming off 2008 where we had the, you know, as I mentioned, went 12-4, home field advantage, and then Plaxico shoots his dick off, and there we are. We mentioned the 1995 blowout loss. We finished 5-11 and that season, and somehow Dan, we were like, well, it's a fluke. We brought Dan Reeves back for one more year, and we, we sucked even worse, or not as much, but just as bad the next year. So he was fired after 96. 2017, I mean, that 51 to 17 loss against the Rams, that's where I think I officially was like, okay, it's time to throw in the towel on this season. We ended up going three and 13, and McAdoo was fired. So for everyone who thinks that Brian Dable is like a savior or is like the guy, you can win coach of the year and then you can stink up the joint so badly the next year. You can make the playoffs one year. And stink up the bad, stink it up so badly the next year that you can you can get canned. It's that easy. So uh, for anyone thinking that Dayball is safe just because he was coach of the year last year, <laughs> it's uh, NFL stands for not for long. We know that. 2012, 34 nothing shutout at Atlanta. We went. That's the year we went nine and seven and just missed the playoffs. It was a game like that that really bothers me. There was another game I think in 2012 that we lost. Big time to the Packers. That was uh, really deflating. 98, we lost 37-3 to the Packers. We finished 8-8. Eight and eight. 2015, we lost 49-17 to the Vikings. Finished 6-10 and 10 and Coughlin was fired. 2015 was one of the most bizarre, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching seasons I've ever experienced as a Giants fan, knowing that we had so many games in our grasp and ended up uh, choking each and every time. And Eli stinks against the Vikings. I mean, it's that simple. The guy just cannot figure out Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. He sees purple and gold and just like he he goes dark. 2009, Carolina Panthers. Yet again, 41 to 9. We lost. Uh, I think that was to like Matt Moore. <laughs> I think it was like some backup quarterback, not uh, not anyone that special. 
And um, any more and more recent ones? Oh, 99. We lost to the Redskins at home. 50 to 21. <laughs> we finished 7 and 9. That was, a, that was kind of a funky year in 99. Because it was like a changing the guard at quarterback with Kerry Collins coming in. And like all of a sudden our pass game was rejuvenated. Like Amani Toomer came out of the woodworks and, and flourished and was like, oh, we have an offense now. We just, for some reason, our defense just decides like, uh, you know, we've had enough. <laughs> we're like, we're going to quit at the worst possible time. So yeah, a lot of high scoring games in 99. That's it. That's the worst uh, blowout losses in Giants franchise history. We, uh, there were, there were, so of the, I think there's more than 30 here. I want to say there's like 30 blowout losses in franchise history that I have just here by like more than four touchdowns. So 29 points or more, uh, of those, the giants made the playoffs once in 1963 and lost in the championship. So there you go. There's your 1% of hope. That's your one percenter right there. I'm a one percenter. That's what we gotta. That's what we gotta uh, hold on to. That one percent of hope is uh, 1963, 60 years ago. 60 years ago. So maybe history repeats itself. I think 1963 was one of the last years that we were like. That was. I think that was the last year before we went into the very dark doldrums. The the dark era darkest timeline of the late mid sixties to the late seventies until Phil Sims was drafted and Lawrence Taylor till Phil and LT arrived. There was a, it was a, yeah, 17 years, right? 17, 18 years of no playoffs from 1963 on. So <laughs> that's what we have to hold on to 1963, <clears throat> but the odds are forever not in our favor. Uh, I, I'll take a look, a quick look at the schedule and give you some updated predictions. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, Arizona almost beat Washington and the level of hype around Washington has been growing over the past week or so. You know, I, a lot of people in their season previews and all that bullshit, they were always, always saying, well, yeah, Eagles won, maybe the Cowboys battle, but they'll get the second wild card and don't count out the commanders. No one, hardly anyone was talking about the Giants, despite um on paper getting better just not on the field so we could uh andrew Thomas doesn't play and, and is still banged up i think we could very easily lose at arizona against the cardinals then we have to go into thursday night football against the 49ers that's a loss at home against the seahawks i don't know seattle's kind of uh are they in shambles or are the rams really back quote unquote i'm gonna say that uh the rams are semi back and the Seahawks just uh, lost their way. So that's a loss. That's a primetime game. So that's hot. So 49ers primetime game, loss. Seahawks primetime game, loss. Dolphins at Miami, loss. At Buffalo, loss. Home against the Commanders, loss. Home against the Jets, loss. At uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, loss. Uh, at Dallas, loss. At, Wa at Washington, loss. Home against the Patriots. That'll be a good one. Loss. Home against the Packers, loss at New Orleans. I think that's going to be close. That's a loss. Uh, at Philly, blowout. Home against the Rams, loss. And then home January 7th, 2024. Getting the new year off, off to a hot start with another blowout loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, 
overreacting much? Yeah, sure. One in 16. I'm sorry. Oh, and 17. <laughs> oh, and 17. Is that really what I have him as? Oh, and 17. Uh, it feels that way. Will they go in at oh, and 17? I mean, if they do, do we get the number one pick? And, if, and I don't even know where you begin to like, where do you go from there? Do you trust Joe Shane to make the right decision? Like, if Evan Neal continues to have a shitty season, which it looks like it's going to be the way, if Kevin Thibodeau continues to underperform, which he kind of like, mm, where are you, dude? Where are you? Where are you? Uh, you, you? You have to start to look at Joe Shane and say, wow, you pulled some magic out of your hat here and there. But overall, like when we take a step back, bird's eye view, force of the trees, you kind of misfired on a lot. So... You can say that Gettleman got us into this mess. You can say that Jerry Reese got us into this mess, which he officially did for anyone who's keeping tabs and keeping track. Jerry Reese is the one who got us into this mess by not investing in the fucking offensive line. Gettleman doubled down on that and said he's getting some mog hog mollies or whatever the fuck you call them. Didn't fix the offensive line. And now Joe Shane, the third GM in a row, hasn't fixed the offensive line. And until we fix the offensive line, you can expect this, like, or shit on the field. You can expect this until we fix the offensive line. Because we don't have an Eli Manning. We have a Daniel Jones. As much as I love Daniel Jones, he needs some level of protection. Like, even Eli had some level of protection in 2011. Enough to at least get the ball off. I don't know, you know? So, yeah, that's where we're at. Hmm. <sighs> that's where we're at. I like uh, reset your expectations. I, I honestly don't even know what it would take at this point to turn this team around. I don't think it's just not in them. They don't have the players. They just don't. You, it was just a lot of hope. There was hope, um, which is great and all, but it's like, it also doesn't translate to wins. <laughs> it's like, there's hope and belief. And, and you know what we could do with the Philadelphia Phillies fan base did with Trey Turner, Trey Turner, Went off in the World Baseball Classic, hitting ding-dongs left and right, and everyone thought he's a world beater. Starts off the season, first half of the season or more, just slumping. Not doing shit at the plate. Philadelphia, that goddamn city, rallied around Trey Turner, and instead of booing him, decided to cheer him. And it, I don't think it was even sarcastic. I think it was just trying to show support for him, and he turned it around. As Giants fans, are we going to do what we always do, and not show up to the stadium and not cheer on the team, continue to boo them? Or do we pull, a, I hate to say it, a Philadelphia move and come and cheer them when they come out as loud as we can? <laughs> I am a cynical fuck. And I think that we are not going to do that. <laughs> but what if we did? What a story it would be if we just came out when we, uh, the next game we have at home, which is October 2nd at night, primetime game, do we come out knowing that our team is 0-3 and that we got blown out by the 49ers and we lost to the lowly Cardinals? Are we going to come out in full force for the second home game at 0-3 and give a standing ovation to our team? And maybe that'll turn things around because it worked for Philadelphia and it worked for Trey Turner, so maybe we do that. Odds are probably not. Just like odds are we're not making the playoffs. But 1% of me is hanging on for dear life. 
Uh, so my Sundays are open. My Mondays are open. My Thursdays are open. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I, I now have reset my expectations and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that, and that's why I said, get them next year. I've kind of written off this year. It's like, all right, well, let's see what we have with the young guys. They'll, they'll be fun to watch the rookies, John Michael Schmidt, Tay Banks, Trey Hawkins, Jalen Hyatt. Those, that'll be fun to watch. And then, you know, we'll go from there. I guess you give Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable another shot at it. Ugh, it really depends on how they finish the season. If we have a three and thirteen season, ooh, it's all about did he lose the clubhouse or not. But the fact that you had so much time to prepare, all off season, all the moves you made, all the time, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears you put into preparing for a hugely critically important game prime time people in your corner saying you're gonna steal one and you lay the egg that you laid i don't even know that you can bounce back from that again one game week one i know not that i think if you come out you lose by a touch a ted you can live with that say all right we're building momentum we still lost they still have our number but we're, we're toe for toe punch for punch neck and neck we're there we're not even fucking close right now. I as I like I, I thought I, I'd like to be a coach, but not like a head coach, <laughs> like a QB coach, position coach, offensive coordinator. Maybe strategy is more my thing. You know, dialing up plays against personnel, studying film. I don't know how you rally a team and motivate a, a bunch of uh, guys after that kind of performance and say. We still have a. I don't know. I don't even know what you say or do. Uh, like to to act like business as usual. Isn't that kind of what got Mac do into trouble? Where he was just like business as usual. We're gonna treat this like we're gonna treat. We're not gonna overblow it. We're not gonna overstate it. Blah blah blah. I don't know. I think you get up all up in people's asses and you start you start making some fucking moves. Light light some fires. Kick the fucking tires. Light some fires. You know, put Evan Neal on notice. Put people like I, I, like for me, no more music at practices all week. Normally, they I guess they have fucking rap or music or something playing in the background of the speakers during practice. Zero music the whole week. You're not getting shit. All the stuff that you love and uh, have the privilege to experience, you don't deserve it. After that kind of, that's the approach I would take. It's not the right approach. I would get fired. I get it. I just don't know what you do because if if it's business as usual. I just don't, and like people are going to point to someone like Eli Manning and say, well, look how even keeled he was after a bad loss, after a great win. He was always even keeled, blah, blah, blah. And that's what led to his success. I just don't know that that works for everyone. Not everyone's at Eli Manning. So yeah, bask all you Eagles fans. Can't wait for the comments. It's going to be delicious. Not one fucking Giants fan in my comments on that video defending me or coming to support the team. All Eagles fans laughing their dicks off about how full of confidence I was after getting shellacked in the playoff game that we were going to come back and be better the next season that the Eagles and the Cowboys were on the precipice of a downfall. Not one Giants fan, all Eagles fans. And I guess that I'm like the pariah, the black sheep of the Giants fan base. I'll own it. I'll wear that. But, uh, you know... I'm also old enough and have enough rings on my fucking trunk to understand that I've seen this before and it doesn't turn out the right way. 
So, but again, 1% of me, because you never know. And that's all I got. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Absolutely zero people are listening and watching at this point. And uh, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep doing this till the day I die. Okay? So we're on to Arizona to face the Cardinals team that is literally tanking in rebuild mode so hard, yet somehow almost beat the Commanders, and they are for sure going to take us to... <laughs> to the whipping post to task for uh it, it's uh whew, baby i'll watch i'll watch but it's uh yeah it's hard it's hard to get fired up for something like that but we'll see october 2nd 8 15 we'll see what kind of turnout we get no more blue outs no more whiteouts. none of this gimmicky bullshit i say could we do it could we pull a philly and go there scream our balls off Every each and every play, no matter how bad we're getting beat, and see if it has any kind of influence over the team's performance. I don't know. It'd be a cool little experiment. Because I know in, in uh, years past, that does not happen. It has not happened as far over the last decade or so. The, the moment this fan base realizes the, the team is cooked, we do not show up. It's New York City metropolitan area. We got other shit to do. <laughs> so, all right. 1%. Talk to you next time. Adios, muchachos.